Okay, I'll pray and then we'll get going. <coughs> Father in heaven, this is the day that you've made. Uh, and so we pray you'd enable us to rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you are inexhaustibly kind to your people. Uh, we pray now that by the power of your spirit you would refresh us, renew us uh, and equip us to live uh, for your son in his world today. Amen. Okay, well, um, good to be back. I've been away for two weeks. If I haven't met, I think some of you have not met before, so nice to see new faces even in the intervening uh, couple of weeks. We're starting a new series on Sunday School, uh, probably for the rest of term. Uh, I wanted to start by showing a video clip, but I uh, couldn't work out how to do it properly. Now I see there's a giant TV in the corner, that was probably the clue, but uh, anyway. Um, there was a TV show a few years ago called, um, a comedy show called uh, Mitchell and Webb, two comedians, Mitchell and Webb. And they have this one sketch where there's two guys and they're German World War II officers. And they're in the trenches and the Russians are coming towards them. And one of them at some point stops and turns to his colleague and says, Hans, do, have you ever looked at our cat badges? And this, this whole conversation goes back and forward. And then, what's the matter, what's the matter? So well, have you noticed they've got skulls on them? And the other guy says, oh, never noticed. Anyway, as the sketch goes on, one of the characters suddenly said to the other, do you think we're the bad guys? Now, obviously in the context of a sort of comedy sketch show, the whole idea is, you know, Germans realising they might be the bad guys in the context of World War II. But the reason I was going to start with the clip is that something has changed, I think, in the last, well, even the last seven or eight years. And that is there's been a shift where, where Christians increasingly feel like that they are the bad guys. Um, you might be aware of that. We're going to talk about this in, in just a moment. But that is a shift, I think. <laughs> um, so the idea over the next few weeks is to think about what has happened, particularly in the West over the last yeah, 15 years, certainly um, in particular the last seven or eight, what has happened that has meant we've moved from being the ones who are perhaps a bit silly to believe in all that stuff to the ones who are positively evil. So I reckon when I was at uni 20-odd years ago, Christians, we obviously never popular, okay? It's not as if Christianity has ever been the kind of the flavour of the day, at least recently. But, but I'm not sure we were thought of as evil. We might have been thought of as a bit dumb to believe that someone could walk on water and rise from the dead. Uh, we might have been thought of as a bit dumb to believe in God in the era of Darwin and science and all the rest of it. But I'm not sure we were particularly evil. Whereas nowadays, to hold to what Jesus teaches, particularly on um, sexual morality and gender, feels like it makes you someone who's not just stupid, but but wicked, Uh, no longer just misguided to be a Christian, but now positively uh, an evil thing to do. Uh, On your sheets there, under number two, I put positive and neutral negative worlds. There's a guy called Aaron Wren, who is a a Christian, he's American, so that's kind of caveat. Um, He's a cultural analyst, and his sort of way of phrasing this is that he reckons there are three eras. Now remember, he's American, okay, so this is, you've got a adjust the dates a little bit you know that he's not talking about the uk exactly but before 94 he reckons we were in in what he describes as a positive world so in a positive world generally people were favorable it was seen as a good thing to be a christian christian ethics were kind of approved of publicly even if not totally followed and so you know if you were a i don't know you were an electrician to be you know bob the electrician a member of First Baptist Church would be a really good thing. Okay, oh good, he's a Christian, he must be a reliable guy. Ren reckons around 94, we won't go into why on all his dates, 
that one in particular has got to do with American politics and things, but around 1994, give or take, we moved from a, a positive world to a neutral world. And in a neutral world, which he dates from 94 to 2014, Ren says it's neither advantageous nor disadvantageous to be a Christian. So Christianity, if you like, has a place at the table. Okay, we're, we live in a pluralist society. Okay, everyone's got the right to, to believe what they uh, feel is true. And, and so your Christian ethic, your Christian way of life, well, that's okay. If it's if it's true for you, then fair enough. It's not for me, but it's true for you. That's fine. Uh, and and the Christian position is one you might reasonably argue for in the kind of public public sphere. Uh, then for about 2014, now. He, he makes the date 2014 because in 2015 in the USA um, there was a big decision that made same-sex marriage um, it enforced the legality of same-sex marriage in every state. So until then in the US that wasn't the case. 2015 it, it gets pushed through. Um, amazingly, kind of even people like Barack Obama who would be seen as very kind of liberal figure, wouldn't he? Kind of pushing social agenda, you know, on trend. Even he in, in about 2012 was saying he wasn't pro same-sex marriage. It's an idea of how fast everything has changed. Anyway, 2014, 2015 in the USA, 2014 it was actually in the UK, same-sex marriage comes in, um, and as we might return to later in the series, Bruce Jenner, the, he was an athlete before most of our time as an athlete, but he kind of transitioned and became a woman, and he went on the, the front page of Vogue, and that was in 2015, I think. Anyway, around then, the move was, says Ren, from a neutral world to a negative world. From now onwards... To be a Christian is, is actually a positively bad thing. It is a detriment. It's not the kind of thing you want to mention on your business card. It's not the kind of thing you want necessarily to slip out at work if you're going to get promoted. And Christian morality, a Christian way of living, is, is seen by society as a, a threat to kind of a healthy, flourishing society. If you hold to Christian views, okay, you are actually endangering or damaging other people. Uh, Tim Keller, who I guess many of you have come across his books and sermons and all the rest of it, um, he, he says something similar. He makes the date about 2014 as well. He says this, so what's happening is the roof has come off for the devout, he means for Christians. The devout had a kind of shelter, an umbrella. So you had the devout, Christians, you had the secular, and you had this kind of middle ground that made it hard to speak disrespectfully of traditional values. So that was history. You know, it's, it's never been that Christianity is super popular, but you used to have the Christians, you used to have the kind of really anti-Christians, and you had this kind of mush in the middle who were basically sympathetic to Christianity, although not Christians themselves. And so um, you know, that, that they, were like, they provided kind of coverage, like an umbrella for the Christians to be able to kind of evangelise and um, speak about Christ. He goes on, that middle ground is now more likely to identify with the secular than with the religious. And so the devout suddenly realise they're out there, that the umbrella is gone, and they're taking a lot of flack for their views. Um, interesting, two, two different guys, one's a minister, one's not. But both dating the change about the same time, both making roughly the same point about the societal shift. So just to get, get your kind of brains going, roundtables, what, what do you make of that? Those three worlds, Ren's kind of three worlds, does that resonate? Um, do you sort of tend to agree, disagree, any objections or whatever? And then more personally, I guess, how open do you feel you're able to be about being a Christian at work or college or school or whatever? And what are the main areas you might be nervous about being kind of really upfront about? Over to you. Do it round tables for a few minutes and then we'll, we'll have some feedback. Come on the doors.
Okay, let's um, let's come back together. Welcome everyone else. Uh, good to have you. Um, be interesting to have some thoughts. First of all, what, what do you make roughly? Any thoughts on the the kind of Keller Wren era thing? Does that ring true? Would you push back? It's not going to ruin the series if you push back, by the way. So don't feel like you could have got a, yeah, the whole series isn't predicated on it. Oh, that's <laughs> Christmas table is too young. But what about your own thoughts, Christopher? Uh, would... <laughs> Peter, Peter, with no link in, in between those two statements, over to <laughs> over to over to Peter and Brett's table. Uh, would... <laughs> I'd say it's pretty accurate. Okay. The early one, the positive as well as certainly I remember the neutral, okay. the secular one, uh-huh. also the positive one too. Really? Okay. Pretty, pretty good. Okay, that is interesting. I would, yeah, even I would struggle to, you know, totally remember the first era, but um, you know, I may have been alive for a while, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Harriet. Yeah. I mean, but every job application you have to be signed up to be in the police officer. How does that work? I don't know how it actually works in the interview. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, thanks. Are you prob- I mean, 20 years ago you wouldn't have had that, certainly. Yeah, probably even less. Yeah, Nick? Is that hand? Yeah. Yeah, I just want to distinguish between, um, say, we, we had a few examples, what Harris example and another example on the table about, um, Hang out in the corporate world, um, but there might be a disjoint between what HR departments look to do and what your next door neighbour thinks, even on that because um, yeah. they seem to, well, you know the, the phrase for choice isn't yeah. work doesn't represent the UK. Yeah. There's, there's possibly a disjoint between the sort of the corporate what people the way that people are trying to chase the um, people are trying to latch on to current thinking. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So, so, so just because HR departments or um, the classic one, isn't it, when um, Gay Pride Month, everyone, everyone's logos go rainbow. Um, and even there, you know, Coca-Cola's logo goes rainbow for Gay Pride Month, apart from in Qatar, Kuwait. You know, even they are... Um, but yeah, the, sort of, the man on the street versus the slightly more kind of trendy HR department Um, particular areas maybe this is yeah particular areas you'd feel kind of pressure to keep quiet on That's helpful, yeah. So, obviously, far, far greater rise of Islam in the UK than there would have been in 1990, um, 1980, 1970. Um, and there is going to be a lot of um, 
overlap in ethic. Um, these are things we'd appreciate. Yeah. Um, I, I'm guessing that the kind of things that we, we feel like keeping quiet about tend to be the obvious ones, I guess, gender, um, sexuality, marriage, those, those kind of areas. Um, I, I think, for what it's worth, I think Ren and Keller's thing is, is basically, as a rule of thumb, kind of finger in the wind, helpful. It's obviously not exact. Um, there are some caveats, so as they would both admit, it's very kind of Western-centred. Uh, and probably, and this is picking up Nick's point potentially as well, probably also quite kind of, I don't know what you'd put it, urban elite-centred or university-educated-centred or whatever. So you tend to find that, um, it's in some way, I don't want to link the two issues, but it's a bit like things like, um, so the Brexit vote, where almost all the press were one way, because to be a journalist you're going to be a certain kind of education elite or whatever and then suddenly the whole you know this whole vote that goes the other way or the last election where suddenly the whole north goes and votes you know Tory when everyone's saying they're going to vote Labour so it's, there can be a disconnect between the kind of media coverage and the reality on the, on the ground which may be a good thing um, so it's very western centric it's probably tilted towards a certain strata of society but I think it's still there um, they're not saying as well that society was universally pro-Christian before 1994 um, abortion was brought in in the late 60s in the UK. That is obviously um, a massively anti-Christian thing. Um, No-fault divorce was late 60s. Um, it's all the same as Wilson's government, wasn't it? it all, they all came in at once in the late 60s. So there's obviously huge societal shifts um, uh, that are massively anti-Christian that are there far earlier uh, than the 90s. And, of course, the gospel always provokes hostility. So we... We can't pretend there's some sort of golden age where everyone's just knocking on the church's door saying, tell me how I can be saved. Uh, but as a rough, a rough sketch, I think it's, it's helpful and it, it roughly sets the kind of... That's, that's why I want to do this little mini-series. Um, so to the third point on the sheet, why worry about the world? So you, might, you might say, well, look, surely the church is focusing on the gospel. The world always has its weirdness. The world is always hostile. It's always saved or not saved, born again or not born again, light and dark, so... <laughs> Who cares really what kind of darkness is out there? We've just got to keep preaching the gospel. Pray and evangelise. I've got a lot of time for that in lots of ways. I, what, my last two jobs have both been church planting jobs here in, and in Derby. And when you sort of meet, you know, I don't know, go to church planting conferences or courses or whatever, there's been this slight tendency for, for I think for ministers in particular, to think, oh my life, the, you know, the, the world's changed so much, we've got to totally reinvent how we do church. We've got to think outside the box and we've got to... Um, reinvent everything go back to you know go back to the ground levels and build up nowadays people can't handle sermons we learn more um, visually and dialogic whatever the word is in dialogue um, so we've got to ditch sermons um, uh, they can't sit through a service so we ought to sort of do cafe and let's do it on a Friday night or a Wednesday night and that's when people are free and total kind of panic how do we reinvent everything um, and so I've got a lot of time for the person who says just get on with doing the same things we've always done um, partly because God has given us the means for reaching the world. Okay. Every church that's been planted in the history of the world for basically 2,000 years more or less was planted the same way. Okay. Culture has shifted, gone totally international, global. But basically what happens is people go and preach the gospel, pray, um, gather to worship on a Sunday and you know, the Lord builds his church. Okay. So you can overreact and panic and think, oh my life, we need to um, totally start again. Equally, I, I do think there's value in thinking about the particular world uh, around us. I put it down there on your sheets, uh, 1 Peter 3. 
Um, famous verse is often used in, in the context of apologetics. I'll come back to what that is in a minute. So 1 Peter. Peter's writing to Christians who are suffering. They're, they're scattered across the, the, the um, Mediterranean. Um, it's for obviously the early days of the church. So Christianity is a massive minority religion. He says this. Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of them. That's those who persecute you. Nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honour Christ as Lord. Sorry, honour Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason, the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behaviour in Christ may be put to shame. There's persecution. And part of Peter's answer to that is, make sure, verse 15, you're always ready to give a reason for, for why you believe. Not just what you believe, but why you believe. Why is it that you have this hope? Why is it um, that you're looking towards heaven? Why is it you're so sure uh, about Christ? It's a bit like Paul. Remember in, in Acts, Paul goes to the Areopagus in, in Athens, and he, he reasons with the Greeks. He doesn't just turn up, say, Jesus died for you, um, repent and believe, and then sit down. Okay, he, he goes to the Greeks who are secular, and he speaks to them in a different way to when he goes to the synagogue. In the synagogue, you know, he gets out the scroll, and he, oh, look, Isaiah says this, and... But the Greeks don't know about Isaiah, so he does something a bit different. Still preaching the gospel, but, but he's reasoning with them. Uh, he himself says in 2 Corinthians, verse down there on the sheet as well, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every th- thought captive to obey Christ. C- Christianity is not meant to be anti-intellectual. Uh, and that idea that all you do is, is say, you're a sinner, Jesus loves you and died for you, repent and believe... And that to sort of start saying, to get involved in sort of arguments or discussion or reasoning is somehow to abandon the gospel. I think Paul would say, no, that's a, that's a false understanding. The gospel is what saves people, but we do still engage. We, we try and show them what's wrong with their understanding of the world. We try and defend our own. Uh, so before we go back to the discussion, um, two types of people that might ask questions. Who might we be giving an answer to, prepared to make a defence to? Or if you like, two reasons to understand the world around us. The, the most obvious one, I guess, is non-Christians. The need for, for, for mission. Um, if we were in Delhi, we would want to understand Hinduism. Okay, if, you, if you got sent tomorrow, okay, the angel Gabriel appeared to, to you this afternoon and said, right, you're off to Delhi, picks you up, drops you in Delhi. Um, you'd want to understand Hinduism, wouldn't you? If, if he drops you in, in Mecca, you'd want to understand Islam. When he drops you in Leeds, what is the religion around you? What is it that most people think? I know there's diversity, obviously. It's not like everybody thinks the same thing. But to, to take the kind of bog-standard average English person who's grown up in the last, or British person who's grown up in the West in the last 30 years, wh- what is it? What is the kind of national religion, as it were? So the mission perspective it is a key one. But also that there is the kind of defensive position, as it were. We need to be able to give answers to Christians as well for why we believe what we believe. Um, it's a discipleship thing, apologetics, as well as a, an evangelistic thing. Uh, in particular, for children as they grow up. Okay, why is it we believe what we believe? But, you know, my kids are already asking questions. How do you know that? How do you know that's true? They have questions. If we just keep saying, well, just, just true, just don't, ask, don't, ask, don't ask questions, just, then, then at some point that's potentially going to undermine their, their faith. Um, apologetics, I've used the word a few times, apologetics is um, the, the word we use to describe this kind of defending the faith, 
both defending what we believe, explaining why we believe, it's got a defensive aspect to it, but also undermining other religions and worldviews. It's called apologetics because the word in verse 15 of 1 Peter 3 on your sheets, be prepared to make a defence, the, the, the Greek word is apologia, okay, so that's where it comes from. So apologetics is not about saying sorry, really sorry. Apologetics is making a defence, defending, if you like, our cause and then undermining the walls of other positions. And so really what I want to do over the next few weeks, quite introductory this week, obviously, but I, I, want to, I want to spend some time trying to work out what are the kind of big things the world around us believes uh, and why. Uh, and one of the things I hope will happen is that we'll see that some of the kind of hot-button issues, like transgender or sexuality or whatever, they haven't, they haven't just dropped out of the air. They haven't just suddenly, oh, look, where's that come from? Okay, they are, in some ways, the logical outworking of the kind of religion that we've been breathing in in the UK for, well, really for several hundred years. Uh, and the more we can understand why people hold these things, the more we might be able to present our position uh, and defend against those who attack. So, um, we've got a few minutes left. Back round tables. Uh, oh, there we go. Um, yeah, what makes someone a good person in the eyes of modern British society? And then secondly, how and where have we been taught to think like this? Okay, so we're beginning to, to get to that idea about there being religion out there. You know, people don't, we're not in Mecca, so people aren't at the mosque. We're not in Delhi, so they're not in the temple. Where, where and how do people get their kind of, um, their ethic from, their understanding of the world from, do you think? If you get time, you do that last one. What would you, how would you summarise? That's what I'm going to start looking at next week. So that's a kind of looking ahead thing. But how would you summarise what people believe? What have we got? Seven or eight minutes. Let's go back around tables. Thanks. Okay, um, thoughts. That first one, what makes someone a good person? At least in the eyes of Monborough society, what kind of things do you talk about? Okay, just don't do anything bad. Yeah, don't do anything what was that last bit? Don't like people. Don't offend else. Okay. Okay. So don't... So that's interesting. So don't do anything negative. Then that, I suppose that begs the question, what's negative? As in what would be the bad things that... I mean, obviously, we still think murder is wrong and, you know, burglary is wrong and everything, but... No. Other thoughts? Yeah, you... Yeah. Okay, so, so that's interesting. No, yeah, no, no criticizing someone's self identity perception. Yeah, okay, that'd be a negative thing. Other thing that makes you good? Each point to Mandy is an example of a good person. <laughs> All right, just <laughs> I mean, amen. Um, <laughs> Never gives 
Okay. So statements such like, oh, you know, I I agree with everybody who agrees with whatever whatever they want to believe. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, that's about it, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah nice. So. Nice. <laughs> you could do the next series, Mandy, on like you know, in, like understanding the British. Um, it'd be very eye-opening for us. <laughs> oh, we don't take it as such. It's a massive compliment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Never say anything direct and talk about the weather. That's what we love. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you. Um, and that last one. Yeah. Never. I agree with everybody on everything. Basically, you've all got your rights, your own opinions. So. Hello. Um, what about that? What about where do we learn this? Okay, it's not like you go to a special, you know, religious building on a Friday night to be taught all this. How, how do you think this is spread? How do we come to believe all this? What do you talk about? Um, I think we have before you speak. Thank you, that's really helpful. Total melee of kind of things coming out from all directions and no one authority kind of thing anymore. Um, so I can't remember who it is. Someone calls us, called our society a sibling society, by which they meant, um, I don't think they were Christian, I think it was a, I can't remember who it was anyway. Um, you know, in, a, in, in years gone by, as it were, and in more traditional societies, things are passed down from parents, you know, grandparents, parents, parents, down the generations. Um, and there were authority figures in your life, your parents school teachers, your ministers of your religion or whatever it was, um, and things were passed down. We're a sibling society. It's all kind of horizontal. You're, yeah, you're on the internet, you're watching TV, you're just stuff coming at you sort of sideways. And there is no inherited, well, I will obviously do and believe in line with what my parents do and believe. No, it's make it up for yourself, grab information from everywhere. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's helpful. And that, that, that is exactly the dynamic, isn't it? One side looks loving and kind, and the Christian side looks bigoted and judgmental. And so, you, again, Christianity is being made to look nasty. Um, yeah. Kind of on the other side of that, I've heard positive stories of 
struggle yeah <laughs> um yeah okay so yeah the obviously the just the world we live in there's just the total media saturation tv internet everything um people are far more shaped by that than the traditional down the down the generations kind of passing on um yeah mm. totally yeah thank you yeah so People who've got famous for either acting, singing, maybe sport, suddenly have these massive influence on morality, ethics. There's, there's no connection to those things, are there? You know, there's no reason why, um, just because you're good at kicking a bit of leather into a net, you, you should be some sort of moral philosopher. And yet, there we go, um, far more influential than... You know, how many of us could name an influential modern-day philosopher very few okay how many pop stars could you name i mean four or five at least uh, for, you know, just, oh michael's got one yeah it, 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 it's got to be someone after 1990 yes yeah 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 that's, yeah, yeah. Um, we ought to wrap up. Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll head next door. Father in heaven, we don't want to be driven by fear, um, as Brett was just talking about, um, uh, or anger. Um, but we do want to be f- uh, firm in our convictions, loyal to everything Jesus has said, willing to suffer. Um, but give us a great love, um, a love for your truth, a love for your word, uh, a love and understanding of why it's not just true but also good um, and and beautiful uh, to live the way Christ taught and give us to a love for the world around us we pray that you might help us over these next few weeks to understand our colleagues our family our neighbours better uh, in order that we might be more persuasive uh, as we seek to hold out the word of life to them Um, bless us in those endeavours bless us as we gather next door to, to worship you we pray in Jesus name Amen